GateWorld.net presents an exclusive interview with Lou Diamond Phillips. For GateWorld.net, I am Chad Colvin, and I'm on the phone this evening with a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He's a director, a Independent Spirit Award winner, a Golden Globe nominee, a Tony Award nominee, one of Hollywood's more versatile actors, and he's a hell of a poker player. I personally feel honored to be talking to the one and only Lou Diamond Phillips. How are you? I'm good, Chad. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thank you uh, for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us a little bit. No, not a problem. Not a problem at all. How have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been good. I've been busy. Uh, it's been a very, very busy year, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of it has been taken up uh, with Stargate Universe. Now, you're just a couple weeks away from the end of production on Season 2, correct? Yeah, yeah, we're uh, wrapping up, uh, you know, the the second season, you know, all twenty episodes and whatnot, and uh, yeah, it's so funny, you know, because uh, uh, you know we're so far ahead uh, as far as filming goes, uh, uh, as to what actually airs. That you know, you always have to take a beat and go, all right, what have people seen? What can I not spoil? What right. uh, you know, where where are we at as far as uh, the dissemination of information in the in the mm-hmm. real world? You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Are you ready for some time off and more time with your family? Oh, absolutely. I mean, fortunately for me, uh, Yvonne and uh, our daughter Indigo, you know, get to come with me uh, when we're filming here in Vancouver. Uh, I haven't seen the big girls in a little while, so that's always, you know, that's always a little uh, disconcerting. Uh, but they've got very busy lives. They're teenagers now, you know, and uh, uh, with their after-school sports and uh, their, their very, very busy social lives. Uh, I don't think they miss Dad too much. <laughs> um, you were acting for years uh, prior to it. Uh, but your first big breakout role was as uh, rocker Richie Valens in the 87 film La Bamba. Um, Absolutely. That thrust you into kind of like the limelight and international stardom. What was that like for you? How did you transition from, you know, the smaller roles that you had had prior uh, to something that was that big culturally? Well, I mean, what was what was odd is that even, you know, I mean, when we were filming it, it, it wasn't as if anyone knew it was going to be this huge hit, you know? Right. Uh, I, I was cast out of Dallas, Texas. I'd been working in the, in the film industry there for about four years uh, after having uh, graduated from the University of Texas at Arlington. So uh, when I went on that audition, I, first of all, I was amazed that they were even casting it in Texas. I, I, I had no idea that it was, uh, you know, this, this Hollywood film. Uh, having said that, what's interesting is that my, uh, my agent's assistant in Dallas got it wrong. She thought I was auditioning for a theater musical on the life of Frankie Valley, you know, of the Four Seasons, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny now because, uh, you know, Jersey Boys is actually a huge hit, but at the time I thought, really? They're doing a musical about Frankie Valley? You know, so, I mean, for me, this was lightning in a bottle. Uh, they cast me, you know, for the film out of, out of Dallas. Um, the only real names that were in the movie at that time, uh, you know, Isai Morales had done Bad Boys with Sean Penn. Uh, Joe Pantoliano was just coming off of uh, Risky Business uh, as Guido the Killer Pimp. And Elizabeth Penny was coming off of uh, Down and Out in Beverly Hills, so there weren't any big names, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was this little heartfelt film, you know, that was a negative pickup for Columbia Columbia Studios, and uh, we really it's not as if we knew that we were making this monster hit, you know. So I, I literally got to make the film, uh, and then had to wait a year before it actually came out. So you know, I, I got a little more acclimated to Hollywood, and also you know to being unemployed <laughs> because I didn't get any. <laughs> I didn't get any gigs uh, for like six, eight months after we were, you know, finished filming because you know I, here I was, this unknown, 
playing an obscure, you know, Mexican-American rock and roll star, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in a tiny little film. I mean, we made that movie for like $6 million. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was not it was not destined to to be this huge hit, uh, and and so when it when it did, it, it literally uh, boggled all of our minds. I mean, it just blew us away because it, uh, you know, it, it just was such a well-made, heartfelt movie that you know that speaks to people even today. You know, so uh, in in many ways, it was my Cinderella story. Oh. And, and, very proud of it. I'll completely admit. I mean, I DJ on the side also, and I still, at least once a year, I'll go back and watch it again. Yeah, and it holds up, man. It does, absolutely. You know, and I mean, the, you know, one of the reasons I'm, I'm still around today, I think, is the fact that my first three films out of the gate in Hollywood uh, were La Bamba, followed by Stand and Deliver, followed by Young Guns. Mm-hmm. You know, three very, very different, but very, very good films. Uh, you know, uh, uh, award-winning, and you know, like uh, like you'd mentioned, you know, I got nominated for the Golden Globe and won the Independent Spirit Award. Eddie obviously was nominated for the Oscar. Young Guns uh, was my first inkling that okay, I've arrived. I'm working with this group of guys, and we're the you know we're the hot young bucks on the block right now. You know, so so those were my first three films, and I think it bought me some uh, some uh, tenure for a little while. Oh yeah, definitely having the chance to show that range was only a good thing. Absolutely. I do have to ask, though, are you able to hear the Los Lobos version of uh, the theme without flipping the radio to a different station? <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it catches me off guard sometimes. Uh, I have to be very careful, uh, you know, which Mexican restaurants I go to because chances are there's going to be a mariachi band there. Uh, you know, I don't even make it past my first margarita. i got to hit the door. You know, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one that uh, will forever be linked to me. Yes, I am proud of it, but yeah, I, I, I've been screamed at uh, for you know 25 years now. La 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 la! On the street, so it's uh, yeah, that, that that's lost its appeal, believe yeah, me. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, over your career, you've done several westerns, and you were talking about Young Guns. How was that experience with that huge cast? I, I absolutely, like I said, that was the first time where I thought, okay, this movie uh, is is kind of a a watershed moment for my career, but also. You know the fact that that it, it brought all of those young actors together. You know, and, and uh, I, I formed a lifelong bond. You know, with with you know people like Kiefer and Emilio. You know, uh, and I have to say, I just kind of shake my head at Charlie's antics these days. It's like, wow. Okay, uh, well, some of us grew up. Yeah, he's not doing the best job staying out of the news right now. No, no, but you know what? I don't think he cares. No, you know, I that's, really don't. That's just kind of you know who he is and. Like I said, I just kind of shake my head. Yeah. Different strokes, man. Exactly. Um, you were nominated for a Tony for your work as the king in The King and I, yeah. and you've done a lot of other stage stuff besides that. Do you have a preference between the stage or the screen? No, no, definitely not. Uh, uh, my, my preference is to be employed <laughs> as an actor. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I've been very, very fortunate. And, and the fact that, you know, I, I cut my teeth in the theater, uh, and, not, you know, not only, you know, in, in college theater, but in professional theater in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, but also, you know, I mean, uh, like this group called the Zero Hour that was this uh, sort of sketch comedy group that I, I was with. I mean, you know, uh, we did this raunchy, crazy comedy at midnight, you know, in punk clubs in the early 80s. Uh, and that same group ended up forming what was called the Front Room Company um, at uh, uh, Theater uh, Stage West in, in Fort Worth. And we ended up doing the classics. So, I mean, I, I was doing all kinds of different things, you know, early on in my career. Uh, including industrials, including the little guest spots on, you know, like the Dallas series and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, from from a very, very uh, early point in my career, I was used to doing everything. You know, okay, you know, what is it? A, a mime audition? Okay, fine, I'll go. You know, so 
I, I developed such a love, you know, for for the craft in general. Um, just just the the love of acting, and and that even extends to my writing and my directing as well. You know, I mean, I, I think uh, it it all falls under the umbrella of storyteller or communicator. You know, and so that's that's kind of how I, I see myself, and I I have certainly different. Um, different reasons to love each branch uh, and, and uh, it gratifies me in different ways uh, and, and so yeah I, I just feel fortunate that, that I can you know kind of seamlessly go from one to the other right. you know you were talking about the need to work but you're actually I, I would say you're at a point in your career where you don't have to accept every role that comes your way what criteria do you use when you choose a project that you do take uh, I mean, for instance you know I just turned down a guest spot on a very very popular show but, but it, it's, it, it's something that I had done you know, and and yes, yeah, I will I will play cops, and yes, I will you know play military guys, and and you know there there are certain kind of roles that that you know are going to be kind of standard for me, but I always look for something different in them. Uh, I look for something that's challenging to me, and that you know helps me bring something new to the table. Um, and and the other thing is you know it's who I'm working with. I mean, uh, literally. Um, a lot of the a lot of the projects that I've taken lately, or the guest you know star spots that I've done on television, uh, you know, have, have been about who I work with. You know, uh, uh, I, I did you know the, that small role in Che simply to work with Steven Soderbergh and, and Benicio del Toro. You know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I mean even Stargate Universe. You know, I mean what really really caught my attention was the fact that Robert Carlyle was attached when they, when they came to me. I thought, all right, this is. This is certainly raising the bar uh, acting-wise on this show. If that's the kind of actor that they're, they're looking to get, you know. So um, there are times when a project will come to me, and and I will say yes to it sight unseen, simply because of who else is involved. Right. Um, and you know, I've gotten to the point where I feel like you know I'm, I'm fairly secure in, in in my career, and I can you know take some chances and, and do some things that are that are just I think artistically. Uh, uh, gratifying, you know, to, to be able to work with like a Mariska Hargitay, you know, uh, and pop onto a show like that, you know, uh, it's it's just fun. So I mean, there's certain things that, like I said, I would say yes to sight unseen. Other things I have to take a look at and go, hmm, you know, is this is this something that that uh, not only is going to be challenging and fun for me, but you know, fun for for you know anybody who might follow me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if they go, oh, hey, Lou's done this, then you know, I I, I don't, I've never been a one-trick pony, and I, I don't want to start now. Right. Now, uh, prior to accepting the role on uh, SGU, had you had a chance to actually catch any of uh, SGU One or Atlantis beforehand? No, were you really familiar with the franchise? I, I was familiar with them, but I, you know, I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't a follower, uh, as it were. Uh, and I think that that worked in my my benefit in some ways, uh, as far as Stargate Universe is concerned, because it's a very, very different show. Uh, it's, you know, certainly uh, uh, we owe a, a great debt of gratitude to the shows that came before. Uh, you know, and especially, you know, having worked with, you know, RDA uh, uh, in the first season. And I think it's no secret that David Hewitt and uh, uh, Robert Picardo come out, come in and do a guest spot this season. Uh, I got a chance to work with them. You know, it's it, it's it's great to feel like you're part of a uh, a legacy, you know, uh, that it's, it's, a, it's a frat, you know, in some respects. And that... Um, you know, we're, we're uh, proudly carrying on the torch, you know, and, and taking it into, into different territory and doing different things with it. Um, I, I have to be honest, I was a huge fan of the film. Uh, I did uh, The Triangle with Dean Devlin, uh, who's mm-hmm. a good friend. I mean, Dean and I started acting together, God, what, 25 years ago in Hollywood before he became this superstar producer. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I did that miniseries with him and uh, was, was very, very impressed with, uh, with his writing and the, and the level of production on the, on the Stargate film. 
you know, having said that, what, what Brad Wright and Robert Cooper have done to turn it into such a long-lived series is amazing, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your personal casting process for SGU and the journey to becoming Colonel Telford. Well, it's, it, it, it's interesting because um, they came to me kind of late in the game, uh, and it was, it was literally a phone call. You know, it was like, okay, uh, it was an offer. Are you interested in this? I read, uh, you know, the, the, the first three, I think, episodes, Air Part 1 and 2, and then uh, the follow-up to that. And, you know, I mean, Tilford, Tilford was not very present, you know, Right. In in uh, in that script, and I, I literally had to get on the phone, you know, with with Rob and Brad and go, "Where's this guy going? Is there is there a reason for me to be there? You know, um, uh, why should I, you know, jump on board?" Uh, and like I said, I mean, I was I was pre uh, um, pre what's the word I'm looking for? Predisposed. Uh, uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah, I can speak English, um, and I yeah, had a, uh, yeah, a minor in, in English from me anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, I was predisposed <laughs> because of Robert Carlyle, and you know, I mean, the writing of this, uh, this script was fantastic. But once again, you know, there wasn't much for me to do, and so I was, you know, uh, uh, wanting to hear from them that you know that Telford would become a player, that there would be interesting things for me to do, you know, down the road, and and they assured me, you know, that uh, that there would be, and and you know, so I took a leap of faith. Uh, and having said that, yes, there have been a few episodes that, you know, I, I think have, have just been really incredibly entertaining mm-hmm. uh, and that, you know, uh, they've been an absolute challenge for, for me, you know, to, to do. Uh, I think at this point in time, yeah, we, uh, we've either beaten me up or killed me or <laughs> straight me, you know, I'm a whipping boy of SGU. The and track you know, record's okay. not real good. <laughs> You know, because I, I can take a punch, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, I take a lick and you keep on ticking. Uh-huh. And and so, uh, uh, yeah, they, 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 they like mixing it up with him every once in a while. And, uh, you know, even though I'm not there all the time, uh, when I when I do make an appearance, it tends to, you know, have a little weight to it, which mm-hmm. is fun. And and I, I got to say, I just absolutely adore this cast. You know, I mean, uh, every single one of the actors that I get the, the privilege to work with on the show, you know, is just, is just fresh and professional and, and really... You know, just just warm, fantastic people. You could not ask for a better ensemble. Oh, absolutely. I've actually had the chance to meet most of the cast, not all of them, but uh, outside of Robert, I've actually talked to everybody else uh, now. Oh, that's so, excellent. Abs- yeah, absolutely. The cast is phenomenally warm. They're generous. It's it's nice knowing that you have that behind the scenes, you know, prior to actually seeing, you know, what gets put on screen. Well, I've always said, you know, I mean, the celluloid sees the heart and, and the, the chemistry and the relationships and all of that, you know, support, I think, is very evident in, in the final product of the show. And that goes for the crew as well. I mean, you know, the, a lot of the crew has been on since the original SG-1, you know, and, and they have this bond and this camaraderie, and that extends to the actors and, you know, and, and certainly, you know, with, with the writers and producers and directors. I mean, everybody uh, uh, just has an immense amount of respect for, for one another uh, and their talents. You know, and then, you know, you, you throw into the mix, you know, uh, 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 our set designer, or Mark Savella, the, you know, the effects coordinator, or any one of our, you know, cinematographers, and it's just, it's just a dream team, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, to be honest, I've gone on to other projects, uh, you know, either doing guest spots or, you know, uh, little indie films or whatever. And you know, you can get spoiled, man. I mean, the fact that these guys are such a well-oiled machine that they literally give so much more bang for the buck than than your average, you know, uh, crew. Um, you know, you go on to another show, and all of a sudden, you you start to see, 
you know, uh, how, how really privileged we are to have the expertise we have on the show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How much of yourself would you say is a part of Telford? What personality traits would you say you share with him, and in what ways are you different? <laughs> That's a good question, especially since most people thought he was a real prick for the first uh, Oh, we'll, the we'll, first yeah, we'll get to that, believe me. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I come from a military background, not that I've been in the military myself, but my father... Uh, did two tours of Nam in the Navy. I've been around, you know, military types, you know, my whole life. Um, and and there's, there's a certain amount of, uh, of duty and, I think, uh, uh, honor uh, that they go along with, with living that life, um, you know, with committing yourself to, to uh, sublimating yourself, really, to, to you know, a, a greater cause. And I think I would like to think that that you know that's a part of who I am, but also you know, a major part of who Telford is. It's just that he wasn't always able to uh, uh, perform in, in in a in a way that, that didn't ruffle any feathers. Uh, you know, I, I think he's definitely cocky. He's certainly cockier than I am. Uh, but uh, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he's he's got a very singleness of purpose. Uh, in in some respects, it's very admirable. In others, it's very irritating. And, and I think that's what it is, is that he, you know, truly felt as if he, you know, should have been leading the mission, and he never lets go of that. Uh, and there's a great consistency to his character. I mean, uh, uh, you know, even when the writers throw a twist in there or do something very sort of unexpected, it's still true to form and true to who he is. Uh, and, and I think that's, uh, that's very interesting, you know. Uh, and, it's, and it's fun being able to play somebody who is, is that capable of being confrontational or, you know, really... Um, uh, uh, doesn't mind getting in people's faces, uh, you know, and, and, and telling them like it is. Quite honestly, I'm much more of a diplomat than that. I really don't, uh, you know, uh, I have m much more of a difficult time uh, in leadership positions. Although I have to say that, you know, when I'm directing, uh, uh, you know, that that bone, you know, certainly uh, uh, comes out. It's, it's something that, you know, uh, I do have the ability to do is just to, you know, to be direct and to be uh, mm -hmm. uh, emphatic about, you know, what it is I need and want. Right. Let's, uh, let's talk a bit about Telford's character arc over the course of season one. Uh, even prior to uh, the brainwashing, um, his bullheaded nature didn't really win him a lot of friends overall. No. No, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, you know, I, uh, I'd read some of the blogs and I'd read some of the things that people had to say, you know, and, and um, it, it, it strikes me as, as a lot of those comments come from people who have never dealt with military types, mm -hmm. you know, or, or law enforcement types or anything along those lines, you know. It, those guys aren't touchy-feely, you know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, having done a movie like Courage Under Fire, you know, uh, with, with people who had gone into, you know, uh, uh, Desert Storm, and um, and like I said, a lot of my, my dad's, you know, contemporaries who had gone into, you know, into Vietnam, I mean, these are guys who, who uh, uh, they're not there to, you know, uh, uh, soft-pedal anything for you. They're not there to candy-coat it, you know. They, they, they're just very, very straight ahead, and I, and I think... Um, you know, that, that informs a lot of what Telford does, because he is a colonel. He didn't get there, you know, uh, politically, or he didn't get there, you know, uh, uh, I think by, by glad-handing. I think Telford got there by, by getting the job done, you know. And, and he's, a, you know, a, a fighter pilot, which hasn't played a whole lot into, you know, the rest of the, uh, uh, the episodes. But, uh, you know, there's a mentality there. There's, there's a real, you know, cowboy kind of Top Gun, you know, feel to, to who he is. And, uh, you know, that, that certainly rubs, you know, some people the wrong way. Uh, and, and it's interesting because that's, that's, that's its purpose on the show, is to be a, uh, a contrast to young style of leadership uh, and certainly to, uh, 
you know, uh, um, Russia's duplicitousness, you know, or his, his conniving, you know, with, with Telford, you, you know, kind of what you see is what you get. Mm -hmm. And what I love is that even though uh, uh, he was brainwashed, he, he had a, a mission, and, and the overlap of that mission, you know, obviously he was, he was supposed to get information for the Lucian Alliance, but he was trying to get back on destiny. Mm -hmm. He was trying to get those people off. Uh, and, you know, whether he was going to take control of the ship or not, you know, we never found out. But, but he did feel like he was going to be the savior. Right. And I think that, that you know, that was uh, a big part of his complex. And so you do you know? think that maybe some of the animosity between Telford and Young came from David feeling like Everett really did essentially steal this coveted command from him? You know, that the command of the destiny should have been his, and now he's both jealous of Young's position and of the belief he'd have done a far better job. Oh, absolutely. I think I think you are 100% right about you know both of those things. Uh, I, I think that you know yes, he feels like he could have done a better job. Uh, I don't think he feels like like Young stole it. I think I think uh, it was one of those really you know unfortunate twists of fate where circumstance you know got in the way um, and and uh, uh, kept him from from uh, you know taking his rightful you know place as as, as a leader. Uh, and so I think that that played into it as well, you know, a, a certain amount of jealousies. What, what's fairly cool about their relationship is that once the brainwashing is done, you suddenly see this mutual respect, uh, some of the competition and some of the, the um, uh, agenda gets taken out of the way, mm -hmm. and you realize that these guys were once friends, that they, that they uh, you know, obviously went through the academy together, that they, you know, they spent a lot of time, you know, uh, on tours of duty. <laughs> That's you know, my, my my daughter is wants to get involved in the uh, <laughs> in the interview. She's saying hi and squeezing an octopus. Hi. <laughs> not a, not a real octopus, but uh, yeah. Hello. And now it needs to interrupt mommy and what she's doing too. She's rather persistent, this little one. Kind of like Telford. That, that, that happens. <laughs> um, Telford and Greer weren't exactly best buds initially either. Yeah, it's interesting. I wish uh, and you know, I mean, once again, it's funny because it's like. Okay, what have we not, you know, uh, uh, revealed to to the audience, and what have, what have we filmed? I mean, just just the very fact that you and I are speaking, you know, and, and that I'm, you know, finishing up uh, the season lets people know that Telford didn't, you know, is not dead. Exactly. Course, the last time exactly. we saw him, you know, he was he was with the, the those aliens on the uh, uh, on that seed ship. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, how he gets back, you know, why he gets back, in what form he comes back. All of this is still yet to, to, uh, to be yep. seen, you know. So uh, uh, I, I will say that it's, it's, uh, it's very exciting and it's very fun. Right. And I think uh, people will be uh, highly gratified, you mm. know, uh, when, when Telford makes his inevitable return. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've said it before. I mean, he's like a, a Stargate Universe herpes, you know. <laughs> he can lie dormant for a long time, but, you know, he will flare up and irritate you and complicate your life. Excellent. That's the best analogy I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> he will never go away. He just might not be visible all the time. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, subversion and uh, Incursion Part 1. Uh, again, that was the reveal that uh, Telford had been brainwashed by the Lucian Alliance. Yeah. Uh, you, like you said, since then he's been kinder, uh, gentler, uh, definitely a more respectable character, at least from an audience viewing standpoint. What's more fun for you, playing him as the guy who everyone hates, you know, someone who's even willing to, you know, cross personal lines, like purposely striking up a relationship with Young's wife? Yeah. Or to play him a bit lighter and personable as a man who knows he needs to make amends on several aspects in his life and, you know, the issues that he's caused? 
Well, I mean, what's wonderful is that, is that every, every one of those approaches is valid, you know, whether or not he, he's being a jerk or whether or not, uh, you know, he, he's uh, reacting to, to the guilt and uh, the, uh, the history that, that he now, you know, has to, has to be accountable for. Uh, so, I mean, you know, all of that is, is uh, highly playable and, and add layers. And what I, what I really love about, you know, this, this ongoing process I mean, first of all, it's like one long movie, you know, because it's not so episodic that, that what happens in each episode has not had precedence or doesn't build upon things that we know from before. And, and that's what's really cool about, you know, playing a, a character like Telford and having it, you know, evolve. And, you know, who's to say that that's not in his, you know, in, in his character in the future? I mean, uh, you know, he's still an ambitious guy. Uh, and, and so, you know, every, every new script that comes along, and I, and I see a little touch here, a little touch there, uh, I'm, I'm informed by the history that, uh, you know, uh, uh, has already been committed to film and, you know, the potential of, of, of what could be in the future, which is, which is always very, very interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a bit like life. You never know what's coming down the road, uh, and, and you don't always know how you're going to react to it. Right. Or, you know, or, or comport yourself for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, this season, in the episode Awakenings, Telford ends the episode essentially MIA, as he's now stranded on that ancient uh, cedar ship, populated by a new race of aliens with unknown agendas, um, without giving anything specific, spoiler-wise, away uh, for the year, because obviously there's a lot that hasn't aired yet. Um, from a character standpoint, uh, would it be fair to say that this experience and what he's doing now is going to change him a little bit, that the separation, not just from Earth and from destiny, but from humankind in general, that it might affect him a little bit when we do inevitably see him again? I, you know, I, I think that uh, it galvanizes who he is as a soldier, uh, and, and that's one thing that, that we see a lot. I mean, like we were talking about the Greer character, you know, and, and their history has never, you know, been revisited, uh, which is a shame. Not uh, You know, that, that there's certainly relationships to look forward to, uh, I think, as, as the, the show continues. And should we be so blessed as to have, a, you know, a season three? And should I be so blessed as to still be around for it? Um, but, uh, you know, there, there, there are different dynamics there. I mean, that, you know, obviously the, the, the dynamic between Young and Rush uh, and Telford is, is one that, you know, uh, I think moves a lot of storylines. But there are other, you know, like, you know, the, the, the relationships with Greer and with, you know, Camille Ray and, you know, some of the other people on the ship that, that, that uh, Telford doesn't have as much, con- you know, traffic with. Uh, I mean, you know, David Blue and I have, have hit it off very, very well and always bemoan the fact that he, he since, since the, you know, the original couple of shows, hasn't had a lot to do with each other, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, um, it, it's it's very interesting. Uh, but as far as like you know what's going on with Telford right now and and uh, the uh, the aliens, like I said, I think it will only strengthen his resolve. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, and every once in a while we see you know how intrepid and brave you know the the soldiers really are, and that includes Young and Greer and and uh, you know Brian Jacob Smith's you know character Scott. You know, mm-hmm. these these guys are willing to sacrifice themselves and and you know. Put, put themselves in harm's way for, you know, uh, the, the benefit of, of, of everyone else. And I think this was uh, ultimately, at least up to this point, you know, Telford's uh, moment to, to step forward and go, no, I'm still a team player, uh, uh, or, you know, let me prove to you that I am a team player and, and do something to try and, and, and save these people. But once again, it's in keeping with, with his agenda from the beginning. And that is to be the hero, and that is to, to save these people and to, to get them home to Earth. That is his ultimate mission. 
if if he you know uh, accrues some glory along the way, I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't mind that. But uh, uh, he is uh, at least in this episode willing to be selfless and and show that you know uh, he, um, uh, he he'll be the one to go into the fire if he has to. Right. Having shot all but a fraction of it now, how would you say that season two is superior to season one? Well, I, I think it's like you know uh, any relationship that, that deepens, you know, with time and and uh, uh, with with the fact that that people get more familiar with with uh, with what they're watching. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I, I've I've read a couple of things that Brad has said. Uh, you know, uh, the the writers are not immune to to what the fan base, you know, is, is calling for. I, I know that there is uh, a lot more action, you know, in the second season that. Um, I think they they've made a, a definite uh, attempt to to bring a little more humor, you know, and not and not just through David Blue's character, but you know, uh, in, in you know through some of the other people, you know, we've all managed to I think grow within our respective characters and and show different sides of them, uh, and and a sense of humor I think is is you know necessary for survival over the long run mm-hmm. uh, for any of these people. So I think we're seeing a little bit more of that, uh, and 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 I just I think that. That some of the big questions uh, and and some of the uh, ideas that they that they bring up uh, in in conjunction with the fact that you know they they've, they've underlined a lot of the sci-fi aspects of it and the adventure aspects of it, you know, ha- have just uh, allowed the uh, the series to grow, and and I think we're we're seeing that in in fan response and in, and certainly in you know a lot of the responses I I've you know heard of you know mm-hmm. from from people who are watching the show. Right. Elena, Brian, David, and Elise, they've all kind of been hitting the uh, convention circuit semi-regularly now. I know Jamil's planning on doing one or two next year. Have you given any thought to stepping out into that? You know, I, I, went, to, uh, I went to one um, uh, in uh, uh, Bournemouth, England, which was uh, very, very polite sci-fi fans, I must say, but, but then again, they are English. Um, I, I would be interested, you know, in, in going to a few. I mean, uh, since, since I'm not... Uh, a regular. I mean, still, I'm technically, you know, a guest star on on the show. Uh, I don't believe I've gotten as many invitations as as others, but uh, you know, it's, it's certainly something that I would be uh, interested in doing and and uh, uh, meeting fans and and you know, shaking hands and getting to know people who are watching the you know the show or my work in general has always been something very important to me, and that's you know, it's one of the reasons why I love doing theater and I go back to it still mm-hmm. because it is such a personal. Uh, uh, you know, expression, uh, not not just in the performance and, and in the sharing of the performance, but, you know, in, in the moments afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, to where to where people can literally come up and go, thank you, I enjoyed that, you know, and you can shake a hand, and, and, and I can say, hey, thanks for the support. You know, I, I think that's uh, the, something that I, I've never wanted to lose touch with, you know, throughout my career. I, I've never wanted to feel like, I, you know, I was existing within a bubble. Right. Um, you're a poker aficionado, having played since college, I believe, and uh, you're a gifted player to top it off. What's the draw of the game for you? What's its appeal? I'm asking because I love blackjack. I think I'm pretty good at it myself, but I cannot play poker to save my life. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think I think as far as poker is concerned, one of the things that I happen to love about it, I mean, yes, there's a, there is a... Uh, uh, luck plays a part, you know, in, in the turn of the cards, and there's always that, you know, that fate... You know uh, uh, that that you know gives you a rush because you don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a, a part of, uh, to to Texas Hold'em that you know is strategy and and is is uh, perception. 
you know, I mean, uh, knowing your outs, what are, the, what are the possibilities that this is the best hand? What are the possibilities that someone else has got a better hand? Uh, are they on a draw? And it's, and, you know, and it's not just knowing the cards, it's knowing uh, uh, how a player bets, what their strategy might be, what kind of player are they? Are they aggressive? Are they, are they you know, weak? Are they, uh, you know, uh, sneaky? <laughs> you know, uh, all of this, you know, plays into it. And, and in some respects, you know, I mean, as an actor, it's, it's a wonderful way to, uh, to try and quickly gauge you know, a person's character, you know, and, and figure out who you can play and how you can play them, you know. And then beyond that, it's, it's like, okay, you know, is, is it the best hand? And how, how willing am I to, uh, you know, either either place money on that or, or bluff at it, you know what I mean? So, I mean, for me, it's, 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 a, it's a constant strategy, and it's not just about the luck, and it's not just about playing the best cards. It's about playing, you know, the, the best... Uh, uh, playing the player as well, mm-hmm. and quite honestly, having having the patience. I mean, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people like to sit down and, and they, they think being a good player is playing every hand and getting lucky. Uh, it's actually, you know, much more of a, a marathon and, and, and how you perform over the long haul. Tell us a little bit. Uh, I know last year you started working on an autobiography. Um, you know, that's you know, that's so funny you bring that up, man. I mean, um, I don't know where that rumor started. Really? I have no idea who started that rumor and, and how it got out there so much. This is probably the seventh or eighth interview that I've done where I've had to say, I am not writing an autobiography. Nice. The very term autobiography would, would seem to indicate that I'm the one doing the writing. I am doing no such thing. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe somebody mentioned it in an interview and, and extrapolated, you know, from that, that you know. Uh, well, you know, any interview you know that I do, I end up doing a little bit of research beforehand, especially since this is our first time talking to you. And I'm going through, and you know, I took a look at Wikipedia. Granted, that's not the best source of information for anything. I mean, it was IMDb. They had me listed at five nine for years. I'm actually six foot tall. <laughs> but no, yeah, the Wikipedia had a title for it. Who was publishing it? Who was helping uh, write it with you? Yeah, You're kidding. Who's, what's the title? Uh, something like a Diamond Phillips in the Rough: uh, The Life of Oh Di- God. Yeah. Published by right. Hi- published by Hyperion, um, yeah, with a release date sometime in 2010. Uh, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. no such book exists. <laughs> and and if, it, if it did exist, I'd come up with a much better title than that. Oh, I, I would hope so. But... <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I am doing a lot of writing this year. I actually have written a couple of uh, uh, projects, uh, one of which uh, uh, was an idea of my wife's, Yvonne's, which was... Uh, probably my biggest, my only sci-fi project ever, but uh, uh, one of the bigger scripts I've written, and I'm hoping that, you know, one of these days it'll, it'll break through and, uh, um, uh, you know, actually get, get, uh, get filmed. Uh, and I'm presently, if I can get my butt up off the couch and get a little bit more motivated, I'm working on a, uh, a graphic novel uh, version of it right now. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah, that's, you know, I mean, that's kind of the, the, the writing I'm doing these days. I, uh, I, I don't have to have... Um, that much of an estimation of, of of my life to think that it would be that interesting to people. I mean, maybe in 20 years I'll do something, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, at this point in time, I, I still feel as if the story is, uh, you know, uh, ongoing and evolving. Um, exactly. It, it it sort of amazes me when you know somebody like Justin Bieber or one of the Kardashians think that you know they they've accomplished so much. It's time to actually write a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, let's talk about the future. Where do you see yourself in the industry? You know, five, ten years from now, in front of the camera, behind it, or elsewhere? Well, I, I certainly hope that that uh, I'm still doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I love to work. There are a few things that I'd love to do. I mean, uh, 
uh, you know, just to get, you know, with a family and everything else, so being a regular on a television series is a very, very uh, uh, tempting proposition, and it's something that I'm very open to right now. I would like to get back and do, you know, some, some features. Um, like I said, I've, I've had a lot of writing, and uh, there's three or four uh, of my scripts that, you know, every six months or so, somebody, you know, uh, uh, remembers them or, or, you know, thinks about them, and, and they, they, you know, have an opportunity to get back in the starting gate. So I would definitely like to be, you know, directing some of my own material in the next, you know, few years. Um, and, and hopefully um, uh, climbing the ladder as a director in that respect. I mean, I'd like to, you know, all the, all the film uh, that I've done have been on the smaller side, you know, and I, I'd like to do a couple that, you know, hopefully can, uh, can help, like I said, help me climb that ladder to, to a bigger budget and, and do something that, you know, uh, uh, would be a, a lot of fun on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, going back to Broadway is not out of the question. Um, something that I, you know, that I loved, and uh, you know, I was nominated for the Tony, but didn't win. And like, I would like to get back there and maybe, maybe get that. You know. Yeah. So I mean, there, there there's still some big dreams out there, and uh, a lot of stuff uh, to uh, to do. I mean, what's funny is that there have been a couple of film festivals that have uh, already given me lifetime achievement awards, and I'm like, wow, man, I'm not even halfway done. You know, mm-hmm. there's. There's a lot that I still want to do. So, uh, uh, yeah, the, like I said, it's like writing the autobiography. It's, it's like the, the, this is not the time to look back for me. It's the time to look forward. Mm-hmm. Um, any upcoming projects that you have on the horizon, things that are in the can that just haven't gotten out yet? Yeah, I did uh, this wonderful little indie film uh, that actually uh, uh, Michael Blundell and a bunch of the uh, the crew from Stargate worked on here in Vancouver uh, called Transparency, and it's it's just this, tough, gritty little independent film that uh, uh, was very, very well received at the, the Dallas uh, International Film uh, uh, Festival and at, at the uh, uh, RATS, what's the name of it again, um, a film festival in Germany uh, most recently. Uh, and uh, Deborah Kara Unger is in it with me as well as Estella Warren. Um, and it's, you know, I'm actually very, very proud of the work. It's, it's real, it's tough and unexpected and outside the box. Uh, and that's called transparency, and so hopefully we'll be seeing that sometime. Uh, and then I also uh, I filmed a pilot, you know, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll see where that goes. I mean, you know, it's a, there's always hope, and you always, you know, cross your fingers. And uh, the interesting thing is uh, that it might uh, work uh, in concert with uh, with Stargate Universe, where I wouldn't have to leave the show. Oh, wow. Uh, I could still do both, which would be, uh, I think, a real boon. Ideally, it would be the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm not afraid of hard work, and I'm certainly not afraid of travel, so... Uh, you know, if if I could uh, if I could you know maintain a presence on Stargate Universe, I'd be thrilled. Mm-hmm. Um, before I let you go, any message that you'd like to give fans, not just necessarily of Stargate and of Universe, but of your career in general and you know everything. Yeah, I, you know, I said it. You know, every time I get a chance, you know, to to address fans. I mean, no matter what, you know, uh, uh, arena it is, you know, television, film, or you know, uh, theater or whatever. Uh, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful to be doing what I'm doing. Uh, and that I've had uh, a, a great amount of support for a very, very long time. You know, I mean, it's 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 sort of bizarre to to realize that you're this film veteran now. You know, and and uh, you know, I mean, what over 80 films and God knows how many television shows and whatnot. But uh, you know, the fact that I keep getting asked to the dance and that you know the people keep showing up to watch me do it is is uh, you know it's it's highly. Um, uh, uh, gratifying, you know, and, and I never take it for granted. I, I never take it for granted at all. You know, there's a lot of people who aren't doing it, and uh, uh, I've been fortunate. 